With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Healthcare Whisperer radio show. My name is Hari Kulsa, and I'm your host. I'm a nurse practitioner, patient advocate, and president of Healthcare Whisperer. I can be found at Twitter on Twitter at uh, H-A-R-I-K-1-0-8, on Facebook at Hari Kulsa, and you can also go to my website at <clears throat> healthcarewhisperer.com. Uh, this show uh, is about providing information and tips on how to successfully navigate the healthcare system. I always find the best way to to get that information out to people is to have guests who can tell their stories of how they got through the system and what worked and didn't work for them. Um, as we all know, trying to get through the healthcare system sometimes can be so incredibly daunting and scary. Um, I wanted to let everyone know that I am doing a day-long conference in Austin, Texas on October 19th from 8.30 to 3, and the name of the conference is The Patient Advocate, Being a Voice for Patients to Provide Healthcare Solutions. This conference is about why advocates are so needed in this changing healthcare landscape. You know, I'm also donating all the fees from this conference to You Are Our Hope, a wonderful and exciting not-for-profit that helps people um, of all ages with rare and undiagnosed illnesses find solutions, find diagnoses. Uh, for more information, you can go to healthcarewhisperer.com or you are hope. I really hope that all of you could, you know, if you want to come, uh, that'd be great. Um, and before I bring on my incredible guest today, I want to just talk real quickly about an act of kindness that uh, someone that I experienced yesterday. I was at the airport. I, I always go to the cell phone lot when I'm going to uh, meet my husband. And I get there and only to find out that AT&T service was down. I had no way to get in touch. I was like standing there going, what am I going to do now? And I couldn't even get on the web. So I got out of my car and there were other people having the problem. And there was this woman who said, oh, well, my phone's working. I have AT&T, but it seems to be working. At least I can text. So she let me she she let me text my husband to let him know because he had Verizon that what was going on and that if worse come to worst I would be able to um, I would pick him up like a, 20 minutes after his plane landed. She also stayed with me to make sure that I knew when the plane landed. I mean it was pretty amazing because her daughter had already landed, gotten her luggage, and was waiting for her. But she didn't want to leave me because she wanted to make sure that I got I got to my husband, you know, that we connected. It was one of the kindest things I've experienced. And so, Marsha, thank you very, very much. Never met you before, but you gave me a moment of such great kindness and love that I am very grateful for that because I was really starting to panic. But anyway, that's my act of kindness, and I, I, I'm going to pass it on to somebody when the time comes. But today, today I have a most amazing guest, and I'm, I'm very happy to have her on the show. Her name is Monique E. Hammond, and she is the author of What Did You Say? An Unexpected Journey into the World of Hearing Loss. And this is her story about exactly that, uh, finding herself... I mean, she's going to tell you about it, but uh, it's the book is amazing. The book is great. It, anyway, we're going to get into all that. So, But about Monique, she was born and raised in Luxembourg. Uh, she graduated with a B.S. in pharmacy from the University of Minnesota with high distinction. 
She has worked in healthcare in Europe, the United States, and Australia. And as a hospital pharmacist, her major priorities have always been patient safety and advocacy, as well as health education and disease prevention. She lives in Minneapolis. She's also appointed to the go- uh, by the governor of Minnesota to the Commission of Serving a Death, um, Deafblind and Hard of Hearing, where she served as vice chair. She's also served as the Hearing Loss Association, the president of the Hearing Loss Association local chapter. So I am so honored and pleased to have her. So let's bring her on. Hi, Monique. Well, hello there. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you so very much for taking the time to be with us. Uh, I, I certainly appreciate it. I know my listeners. Oh, one real quick thing. Out there, everyone, the number to call in is 805-830-8363. So please call in at any time, and we're happy to take your calls. So um, your story, this is, a, this, you know, first of all, congratulations on this book because it's quite, it's, it, I can imagine it took a lot of work. Yes, it yes, it certainly did. It um uh, any time that one gets into writing anything of that magnitude, you know, it takes it takes a lot of time and uh then comes the editing process and all of that. So it took about um four years to put it out on the market. Oh my goodness. Well it you know, it certainly is it, it it's it certainly was worth it because the information is incredible. But before we get into that meat of the book, let's why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your story? How how you you know got to this point? What what how, how did it all happen? Well, it actually you know life was going along, and then uh, my husband and I, as I explained in the book, you know we went on a on a trip to Alaska, and uh, I didn't have any illness. I wasn't feeling any bad. Or I didn't have a, tea, a fever or anything like that. And but I had some thumping in that in my left ear, you know. And so we came home, and uh, I was teaching a class one evening, and all of a sudden, during that class, I gradually, my left ear faded out and out and out until all of a sudden there was nothing left. And I couldn't hear the students talk anymore on that side, and, but I didn't, I didn't have any other symptoms, really. And then when I came home, I was overtaken by an, a tremendous amount of vertigo and the spinning sensation, and that's, that's when life is out of control. I mean, you can't fight that. And so I ended up on the floor and ended up in the hospital for two and a half days and they tried to stabilize me because they more than the hearing loss at that point in time they got worried about this tremendous vertigo and I, I couldn't focus my eyes I couldn't stand up I couldn't you know I couldn't walk I was bouncing mm-hmm. off the walls and all of that it was that was a really an, a trying thing and of course who wants vertigo and who wants nausea? Nobody does. But that was ultimately what got me to the hospital. Because mm-hmm. when you have a sudden, because this, I'm talking about hearing loss, but at that point in time it was total deafness. There was nothing there. And when oh, something, my gosh. And when something happens that is that drastic, you know, then one should be taking action. But mm-hmm. I didn't because I had no other symptoms. And so and that is what I'm trying to also get out there. When something like that happens, you have to go for help because this is actually a medical emergency. And mm-hmm. I didn't react to it. And so it was actually the nausea, you know, so that's what the Chinese uh, proverb says, who knows what is good and what is bad. You know, and uh, so all of a sudden, what I thought was very bad actually ended up turning the corner for me. So, because so you you actually had this. Well, I mean, from what you're saying, is that it was it wasn't so much the hearing loss that sent you to the hospital; it was the vertigo. But actually, it was the hearing loss that was, you know, you you were sort of overlooking that. Am I right in hearing what you're yeah. saying? Because that's really, right. I mean, that's an important point for everybody that. Hearing loss. I mean, I, is, is this, you got to take note of it. See, hearing loss is a symptom of an underlying condition, and oftentimes we are thinking that hearing loss it's a, it's to, due to uh, aging, or now we of course know that it is also due to loud noise exposure, excessively loud noise exposures that are prolonged and, and protracted, and and all of that. But there are so many other reasons for hearing loss. 
And so mm-hmm. people who have hearing loss should always go and have it investigated and find out at least sometimes we don't find out what it is, what it is, but we might be finding out what it is not. And that's exactly what is happening with sudden hearing loss like this. You know, they call it idiopathic in nature. That means we really do not know what causes it. And, mm-hmm. um, and after intensive investigations, you know, sometimes one still doesn't really know what happened. Usually viruses are suspected. And I would suspect that it started out with a viral infection because of this thumping that I had. It, and no pain or nothing. And, and viruses are continuously in our body and they activate themselves. They go to sleep. All of a sudden they pop back up and all of that. And so, yeah, we do really not know. But uh, that's one thing that they did find out, uh, you know, after they investigated the bone of uh, people who have had this sudden hearing loss and then they donate after they die, they literally donate their bone uh, to science and they can look into their temporal bone and they can see the tracks that actually viruses leave in the bone and so forth and so they can study that. Yeah, because you cannot biopsy an ear while a person is alive. You destroy the ear. So this is why... There is so little known about some of these conditions, and uh, and it's very important that as people that we kind of contribute also to science. Mm-hmm. But the hearing so, loss is one thing. I always say hearing loss is one thing. It is usually it is the consequences that come along with it that are that are really becoming uh, difficult to tolerate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you went into the hospital, and I mean that was just two days of, for lack of a better word, hell. I mean to be. The rooms was you know the the vertigo the nausea and and did well, what did they do for you I mean what what was what would happen then. Well, the first thing is, you know, they start drawing uh, lab work, you know, because they try to, well, yeah, they started drawing lab work already in the emergency room because they try to find out what the electrolytes are. You know, your sodium, your potassium, everything is off when you're having major, uh, when you're having a major nausea attack like that. And and so they they looked at that, but they they also did look, though, at other things. Like, for instance, they tried to do blood tests to see if this might be what they call an autoimmune reaction, where the body actually starts attacking its itself. You know, autoimmune reactions are, or autoimmune diseases are things like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis, not osteoarthritis, but rheumatoid arthritis, and some other um, uh, situations that are going on where all of a sudden the immune system goes, goes out of whack. Oftentimes, one, however, would say that that would affect both ears, but nonetheless, they do test for that. They also mm-hmm. test, uh, for instance, for uh, all of a sudden, and I mentioned that in the book, some people take total exception to that, but you get tested also for syphilis because tertiary syphilis can also bring on hearing loss. So they are having this whole battery of things that they are investigating. And then, of course, there come the hearing tests and all of that, but they also replaced electrolytes. So I was on IVs, and then um, I got got all everything that they had in the uh, in the cabinet uh, that attacked nausea to to kind of try to calm that whole system down and did anything because help i the, yeah, the inner ear basically gets attacked. Yeah, after a while, you know, they come up with a combination that wasn't that wasn't too bad, because usually, uh, and nausea is being treated based on what the origin is, and uh, nausea that comes from the inner ear is usually treated with those types of anti-nauseants that have sort of an antihistamine component to it. So that's why all of a sudden there comes the antivert, that meclizine. You know, that is a very popular one. But uh, they they gave me everything. They gave me the Zofran, they gave the Ondansetron, they gave me Phenargan or Promethazine. They gave me all sorts of uh, things. And uh, because, you know, until all of a sudden something took hold and maybe the body was so tired of fighting and there wasn't a drop <laughs> of fluid left in me. <laughs> that all of a sudden, boy, well, said, okay, fine, I'm giving up. This is it now. <laughs> but you still had the hearing loss. I still had the hearing loss. And um, in in the, the middle of the night... Um, all of a sudden, I started getting sort of, um, oh, it was like somebody from some kind of a B-grade movie, and some sort of a monster was talking in my head, you know, sort of an, uh, a drawn-out <laughs> kind of a thing. It was I, Actually, it was scary, and I kind of thought, oh, my goodness, what's going on now? But that was the beginning of tinnitus or tinnitus. Mm-hmm. That very right. in- infamous buzzing or ringing in the ear that is there 24-7. And in the book I call it the phantom of the ear. 
because it's a noise that comes actually from the brain. It actually does not come from the ear, at least in my case. They are, and there are various types of tinnitus. And I have, like, in the book, I think I have 40 or 50 pages on tinnitus alone because there are different types of tinnitus. Some can be helped and some, some you know, they are just there. And mm-hmm. um, there is a lot of research going on, but to this day, we really don't have any drug that particularly attacks tinnitus. And mm-hmm. so we are still looking for that. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, mm-hmm. And then um, I got, a li- and they treated me, of course, also with um, uh, with steroids. I got prednisone at that time. Oh, now gosh, it, now it, uh, yeah. Oh, that's an, uh, that is an, that's a tough drug. Tough drug. That's a, a very tough drug. And so immediately, of course, the blood pressure went out of whack. And so then, you know, they have to add medication to get that blood pressure under control and all of that. <laughs> and so finally, you know, you kind of go, oh my, uh, I didn't mean that. This should become such a big story, but it, it actually did. And mm-hmm. um, so and then I was eventually sent home, and then I had to do retraining exercises for uh, for balance because, in essence, what happened was the whole inner ear got whacked, the hearing system and the balance and equilibrium system. Mm-hmm. So, and, so you went home and you started doing the learning, you know, to your balance, you know, to understand your balance again right away or did you go home and then see other specialists or did did you have a diagnosis or you just sort of okay, I got to learn how to walk again? I mean, what yeah. happened? Well, my diagnosis ended up being sudden sensory neural hearing loss, and that's a very long name for saying basically we don't know what happened. Because (laughs) (laughs) it is true. Because basically that's what I said in the beginning. Idiopathic. They don't know what happened. If they can put some some kind of a real cause to it, then all of a sudden they are saying, well, that is what happened. However, there is one very important point, and I'm, you know, and I'm becoming more and more convinced that the following point had something to do with it. The day before I actually went deaf, that mm-hmm. was on, uh, I went deaf on a Monday. This was on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, we had gone to a church fundraiser with my mother-in-law, and there I had an extremely loud noise exposure. At least I perceived it as such. And the children were running around, and they were covering their ears trying to get out of the room. And frankly, I should have followed them because uh, I always had kind of touchy hearing, but that put me over the top. And when we tried to really gulp down our dinner, uh, I was sitting and I, my left ear, the ear that was already probably hurt, had uh, was turned towards that stage. And I put earplugs in because I always have earplugs, but I think it was already too late. So finally, the doctor told me, well, between the virus and the very loud noise exposure, um, probably the loud noise exposure put you over the top. You might have been able to handle that virus. And so I got to tell you, to this day, I am the sworn enemy of excess noise. That is a really <laughs> an, an, an issue. Absolutely, it is an issue that is becoming more and more prevalent in our overly loud society. And, um, you know, we have to start speaking out. And, uh-huh. uh, you know, that's that's the frustrating part. When I'm sitting there and I'm saying, you know, had I walked out, maybe this would not have happened. And that's always this, looking back, it's always this certain amount of regret that you have. Why did I not act, you know? But you know... Well, you didn't know, you know, and, and, and that's that's a hard one because you don't know that that's what you should... I mean, you, you know, someplace, you know, you might say, well, yeah, I can go. But in the past, you could have, your ears would have been okay, you would have left, and... You know, it would have been fine, but in this case, I mean, I think the message here also is that, as you said earlier, is that we all have viruses and sometimes they get activated mm-hmm. for whatever reason we don't know, and and then you had this virus and then it collided with what we know noise can do to ears. So, right. you know, had you had that, and who knows why that virus got activated, but, well, you know... Could- and, Go ahead. As we were as we were traveling, Harry, it could also have been that I actually caught it because when we went here, when we left here, and we went to Alaska, we literally had the planes, the trains, the automobiles. We had everything and the ship, mm-hmm. you yeah, know. Right, and so right, right. there, there, that's all concentration of people. And if we're getting into large crowds, you know, who knows what we are catching from one or the other? Because there was probably somebody who was ill on the plane or whatever. And uh, usually, it might not have happened. Might not have done any any uh, any damage. 
damage because it happens all the time. But then when all of a sudden everything kind of comes together, uh, so it, then it becomes a compound problem. Right, that's what right. it became for me, yeah. Right, right. And so so here you are in the hospital, you go home. I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, I know when you mentioned the book and I, you know, and I and I really encourage people to get your book again. The name of it is What Did You Say an Unexpected Journey into the World of Hearing Loss. And you talk about going home in those moments. I mean, what was that like for you? Well, at first, you know, you're you're sort of in shock. You kind of don't react. You don't know what really happened, and you kind of always have this hope: "Oh, this is going to get uh, this is going to get better. It's going to get a lot better." Like in the first morning, when you know when the prednisone took hold, or I also had gotten an antiviral medication. I kind of really credit the, between the action of those two. I kind of credit that I recuperated uh, to some extent, and uh, mm-hmm. what uh, I took the uh, pillow speaker in the hospital and I held it to my ear. You know, because you're continuously mm-hmm. testing that ear. You want to know, mm-hmm. you take the telephone and you listen to the dial tone. You know, it's just this desperation. And Aww. so I took that pillow speaker, and what would you know? I could hear something on the television, and I could distinguish whether it was a man or a woman speaking when I listened very tightly and very closely. And Ugh. I kind of thought, oh, something must be coming back. And uh, to this day, uh, hearing aid or no hearing aid, I really I hear now that somebody tries to get a hold of me on that side, but I cannot understand a word of what people are saying. And so uh, because the, the, the high frequency loss is so so steep, but I so it is that desperation, and so you go home and you kind of think, yeah, it's going to get better. I'm going to recuperate. And what he helped me mostly with to get that little bit of hearing back was to sort of help me stabilize my balance. It's uh-huh. amazing what happens to you balance when your whole one side is knocked out. Uh-huh. And so that really helped me to some extent. I still have to be very careful. If I'm not careful and I go for a walk, I wander off to the left side and I wander off into the bushes. And it is stronger than me, but it just kind of pulls me that way, you know, um, because still off balance. Wow. And so it's a daily effort, you know. And, and, so and just, it, for the, just for the listeners that, you know, the the inner ear has, uh, with the brain, can, you know, if that's off, then your balance will go off. There's a connection there. Well, you know, it, I mean, yeah. The, the inner yeah. ear has actually two functions. It has the hearing function, and then it has also the balance equilibrium function. And then right. that portion of the ear is also tied to the eyes because there is that reflex that keeps things still. When we are turning our head, the whole thing doesn't turn. So you have also that balancing effect. And so when the inner ear then doesn't work, then all of a sudden what they call the VOR, the vestibular ocular reflex, is off. Uh So Uh all of a sudden Uh that reflex doesn't work. And so then, uh, then uh, my eyes started tearing at first. I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I couldn't focus. I couldn't stand up straight. And so it's a very slow recovery. But one thing that did, that I did know as I was lying at home and also already in the hospital, I basically saw my job evaporate. Because I kind of went, if I do not get, like, majorly better, then Uh what is going to be happening to my job as a hospital pharmacist, something that I have done all my life, and where you you have to be on. You know, that right. is a job where you are in the right now and you are getting asked questions. You have telephones going, two pages. I don't know what they have nowadays. Nowadays, I suppose they are texting back and forth. But, you know, we had the pages we, and it was loud. Um, pharmacies actually in hospitals are pretty loud because we have a lot of equipment going. The laminar flow hoods, you know, to, uh, to, to uh-huh. make the IVs and all of that kind of stuff makes noise. And then whenever people call from, from the operating room or the emergency room, it's usually from a noisy environment. Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. is the first enemy of people with hearing loss? Excess noise, environmental and ambient noise. If you have the, the hearing loss, you really cannot understand language or speech anymore in that noise. And that became ultimately what made me buy, bow out, where I said, okay, I'm going to hang up the mortar and the pestle. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> Pass it on um, to, the, to the next person, you know. So, so did that happen pretty quickly after this? I mean, did you, did you did you go back to work and try it and realize I can't do this? Yeah, I went back to work, and um, it was 
so phenomenally tiring. And oftentimes people with hearing loss are talking about that, how tired they get. Where the and I have written actually, and I wrote at one time a blog, and I have that on my on my website too. You know that it is such a tiring experience because you have to pay so much attention, you have to be so uh, you know cued into what is going on. You have to make that extra effort. I would come home and I would fall into the chair like a wet noodle, and I couldn't move for the rest mm-hmm. of the afternoon or the evening, whatever it was. It got mm-hmm. you know when my husband came and picked me up because I didn't want to get into a car and drive and mm. um and it was and i cut back my hours you know it was part time and then you go on call and you cut back hours and you cut back hours and finally you know you kind of go i really can't do that and then when um when at one day i and i always made sure that i double checked everyone everything when a nurse mm-hmm. called and she said it was room 318 i always repeated everything back so that i would not make a mistake but you cannot mm-hmm. always do that Right, in hospitals, people get crazy. They're talking really fast, and right. they don't always mm-hmm. want to take the time to repeat it, and they get, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, having... Mm-hmm. Yeah, having so been in the hospital scene. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, that also becomes wearing both on you and on the other part because, uh, you know, why do we have to always repeat everything, you know? But mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. so I was I was keeping myself safe, but uh, after a while, you know, with the tiredness. And then you have maybe the close call where all of a sudden you don't quite understand whether it was Lasix or latex, and that is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so for me it became actually an ethical decision to say mm-hmm. I can't do this anymore. It, it, mm-hmm. uh, I, if I ever had hurt anyone, uh, you know, and it would have been my mistake because uh, I didn't hear, I didn't understand correctly, and I still had one functioning ear, you know, my right mm-hmm. ear to, to, for all practical purposes, is still working, but that ear then also became sort of phenomenally stressed mm-hmm. that I got mm-hmm. tinnitus on that ear, you know, and oh. so... Boy, I tell you, and and that's usually an, uh, already a symptom that maybe I'm losing hearing on that one, and I know that I have lost hearing on that right ear because I stress it so tremendously. So when you stopped working, did that calm down a bit with the le- level of stress? I mean, you were you weren't in an environment that was causing as much stress. I mean, as terms of noise and you know your own worrying about doing the work properly. Did you find yeah, a change? Yeah, that definitely. That was definitely a relief to get to get rid of that, you know, the, that 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 burden of not doing anything wrong. That uh, you know, that kind of a thing. That was a relief. But then you sit there and you go, so what now? What am I going to do now? And uh, I meanwhile, meanwhile, I had to also go back to the doctor. And um, you know, all of a sudden, I started also waking up to the fact that uh, that something really major had happened, and I had no idea what went on. And I I had more hearing tests and and all of that, and I didn't really understand the audiograms, and nobody really explained this all to me. And then one day I went home and I said, if I ever want to make any sense whatsoever out of this case, I better start looking this up. Oh, good. And that so, was my question. What did yeah. you, I mean, did you oh. send, spend some time on the net? <laughs> Oh, the ultimate salvation for me is always education. Whenever anything goes wrong in my life, then, you know, you, you, you sit back and, um, and oh, I was really upset. Like in the book, I talk about going through all of the cycles of the emotions and of the feelings. And I tell you, there is not one emotion, not one feeling that I did not have. You know, you go from, from the I don't understand this, from the disbelief to the you, all of a sudden you get angry. And then finally you graduate to the acceptance. And uh, there is my little saying that, you know, um, and it's always by anonymous. uh, I don't know who actually gave us this quote, but it says, a bend in the road is not the end in the road unless you fail to make the the turn. And I was... I was I came across that one and I was bound and determined that I was going to ooh make that turn however difficult that it might be. And as I made that turn I kind of I've always had and pharmacists and I know nurses um are a little bit in a healthcare field where you do some teaching because you mm-hmm. you tell people about things you tell them about side effects you tell them about you know what you know about about the condition sometimes in order to make sense out of treatment and all of that. And all of a sudden I thought, if I have 
you know, considering my my uh, my uh, job that I had, if I have this much that I do not know about ears and hearing because I didn't know anything about audiology and about audiograms and about hearing aids, digital and analog, I didn't know anything about that. And so, if I have to do know this little, then I can only imagine people who are out there and to whom this is happening, or who are dealing with loved ones or friends who have a hearing loss, and uh, and and uh, they don't really know what this all entails. If I have this problem, then there are many people out there who are struggling, and so mm-hmm. I am for passing anything that I learn forward. Because mm-hmm. if you have knowledge that nobody else ever gains anything from, well, then that is wasted knowledge. We mm-hmm. say knowledge is power. Knowledge is only power if it is used. You know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you just, and, and I was having all of a sudden the, the anatomy and physiology book was lying here again. I had articles uh, from magazines, and then, of course, I also went on the net. And there you have to be very careful what your sources are. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> because so how did, there so, is... So, so there was there one I mean how did you begin to develop an understanding of what it was you had and what you had to do I mean what 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 kind of things on the net got you or or just just what was your process there because not everybody gets to the point that you were able to get to well, I, I, in my book, I go through that process because I start uh-huh. with my story and then I, I literally sat down and took the anatomy book and studied the ear again, looked at how sound travels. You start with the very beginning because if you're, if you're uh, you know, ignoring this piece of information and that piece of information, that was my problem in the first place. You know, because when the doctor was saying something about this ear and all that kind of stuff and, and uh, about uh, how the, how uh, they thought that it processed and, and what, um, you know, how they tested the middle ear and that was, however, not what it was. So because for the longest time, I was convinced I had a middle ear problem because I thought that, you know, that loud noise that I had, that I perceived as being so tremendously obnoxious and noxious, that that had in some way affected my little bones, those little bones, the three little bones in the ear, the ossicles, the middle ear. And uh-huh. I was convinced that I had that middle ear thing going. And so uh-huh. I actually asked that, and the, the, the short answer to it was no. Well, how uh-huh. do you know that? You know, well, there would have been a time to take out the audiogram, but that does, doesn't happen. And the audiologist tells me, well, the doctor is going to explain it to you. And it was this back and forth, and I became all the more frustrated. So I went home, I sat down, I took the anatomy book. Okay, here is the ear. This is what happens. And then I went and I and I studied up on on the on the hearing tests, how they test the different uh, the different things of the ear, and basically went methodically through it. Mm-hmm. You know, so you were and, uh, able to identify. Through doing that, what was happening in your ear, or, right. or why you? I, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, and then I would take what I learned, you know, in the last couple of weeks, and I kind of check that up with the check with the doctor. So you're, you're you're telling me this, you know, I actually had them tuning fork me. I was because I said, okay, we don't have to do any more any more tests. Then do the Rini test. Take the tuning fork out and show me that yeah. you know that it is not that middle ear i i just uh-huh. was fixated on that you know and uh-huh. at that point in time the uh, the question is raised the red flag is raised that this patient really has a problem understanding what's going on and so that patient had to really take care of herself here and so that's uh-huh. what i did and so well, that's, that's what i'm trying that's, that's what really i'm trying to do with people yeah because i mean it's a, that that was one of my questions um is when you brought this information, you know, people, a lot of people, the net's really available now. You know, information's out there. And people, I mean, I remember when I was in practice, uh, people, I, I never minded, unless it was so so crazy, the information they bring to me, I would, but I never minded people bringing me information. I'll never forget the very first time this MIT guy came in and he he brought everything with him. He had piles of research. I said, you're going to have to let me take this home and read it, <laughs> you know. But right. I was grateful because he had done the work that I might have had to have done. So for me, when patients would come in, I'd be like, okay, let's look at this together and see what it really means. But I know that doesn't happen a lot. A lot, You know, doc, doctors are busy. They think, well, what's this person doing? And it's hard once you get that red flag goes up. I mean, that's been hard for you to have well, that kind of... 
Well, well, yes, it, it it is, you know, because you feel uh, kind of alone and you kind of feel, yeah, you feel sort of on your own. But one thing that happens is when, when one goes and goes on the net and all of that kind of stuff, one ends up with a lot of discombobulated and unattached information and there is nothing that puts it together. It's sort of like what we used to say, you have a lot of ornaments but no tree to hang them on. And so, I love your sayings. They're so right. great. And so, yeah. And so the ornaments and no tree to hang them on. So you know a little bit of this, you know a little bit of that, but you don't really know how that ties into this. And uh, and so that's what I'm doing with the book. I'm trying to put the ornaments on the trees for people so that you can go, you can start reading it, and you go through the ear. I even made my own diagrams because I felt that it was too difficult uh, for people uh, to 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 look at those diagrams in the anatomy books and also some of the, some of those that are on the net and so forth because there is just too much information. So out of the the an, anatomic structures, I took just simply those that we are usually talking about with our ENT doctors and our audiologists, and put those in there, the most important ones. And then there is one for Meniere's disease, you know, that is the uh, the the uh, endolymphatic sac and and the duct. And that one, actually, you can never really see on an anatomic picture. So then they have those inserts, and then you have to pretend that you're looking from below up at the, up at the uh, ear, and then you can see that. So I just simply took that, and I yanked it out to the side so that people see that this is actually part of their inner ear, you know. So I did my own graphs. I, you know, I tried to do everything because I kind of thought, i got to make sense out of this. So you made it. You made, you brought it down to the place where the average person can look at it and say, "Oh, I get it." I mean, I'm looking at the book now, and I want. Where can people get the book? Let's let's let people know right away. Where, where, on well, Amazon. Yeah, it's on Amazon, it's on at Barnes and Noble and then of course there are also the electronics, you know, the Kindle and the Nook and um it's also available at Harris Communications which is in a which is in a, in a place here in Minneapolis actually they have they have an, uh, also a catalog where people can look up for if they need assistive listening, listening devices and all of that. So it's a it's also uh, the American Tinnitus Association also has it in their bookstore. Um the ATA and um the, it's also at, at my book, so it is available basically everywhere. I have it also in quite a few book worlds, especially uh, in Wisconsin here, in the in the and in uh, in some places in Minnesota, you know, because um, you know that that is also an important outlet, and uh, so it's a, it's basically available, you know, everywhere. Yeah, um, and you know, just it's it it offers so much information. I am. I'm I'm looking at it. I mean, uh, it's it's got it's got your story, which is incredible. And then you go on to <clears throat> explain so much in 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 language that is easy to understand, which is very important for people who are, you know, finding themselves in this situation. Well, the the thing with the book is that if you look at it, it might be a little bit daunting because it is a pretty thick book. I mean, I give pretty liberal information here you know i mean very liberal uh-huh. i should say you know i uh-huh. put it out there but it's it's also something because the story kind of winds itself through the text it's it's not that right. it, it is detached and that's why i put the story actually the summary of it right up front so when people go back and i'm talking about the mri for instance that, is, that they always do and how loud an mri is oh my gosh i had absolutely right. no idea i thought they were taking right. out my other ear you know and <laughs> so you know <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, kind of, uh, kind of those stories, and uh, and then also, you know, how you go through all of the emotions. But I try to kind of wind that story back so that at no time is the reader actually going to be lost, you know. And then also uh, address some of the things that, that like, uh, you know, when they are talking about the decibels and all of that, what does that mean? And they talk about pitches and frequencies. You know, what does that mean when it comes to our audiogram and how does that relate to our hearing loss and how can that help us, you know, for instance, uh, talk about to an audiologist about um, about uh, a hearing aid, you know. And in the back of the book, I actually have like 
well, how many are there? There are like seven or eight checklists for people where they can go and they can get themselves an idea what they should be asking of the doctor or the, or the audiologist. Because as we well know, in healthcare, everything is kind of relationships. And if you get somebody engaged in a dialogue, Mm -hmm. then you're getting information and you go a lot further. And so basically, one of the efforts that I also considered why I wrote this thing was because I wanted people out there to have a better communication uh, thing going on right off the bat with their uh, specialists than how I started out. Mm -hmm. because well, I was so desperate and that put me then even further behind because I felt that I could not, I could not make sense of this. Well, I need to know what questions to ask. I mean, here you're giving people the opportunity to. These are the these are the mo some of the most important questions, and people have their own questions too. Mm -hmm. But you give a direction, and that's really. I tell people they should always have lists when they go in to see their doctors. Absolutely, I, mean, I think it's because critical. Because conversations, you know, they wander. And I was just, um, uh, I, I saw an article that um, that ha had been written actually, you know, by a physician who he, uh, has a Twitter link. And uh, it was, is your physician actually present or at your, at your appointment? Because there is so much time pressure and all of that. And within 15 to 18 seconds of uh, first stepping into a physician's office, people are already being interrupted because we are not focused enough. We come in mm -hmm. and it kind of feels good. We finally have somebody who's going to listen to our story, right? But they, there, is, there is so much going on. And so it's important to write down questions. It's important to have directions. It's important to have timelines. Mm -hmm. Like uh, people, mm -hmm. and, and we do that a lot with people who have diabetes too, you know, where we tell them, you tell the doctor exactly what time of day did that happen or what day, what, uh, you know, when did you feel bad as compared to how you felt the week before or whatever. So they have the timelines are important and to get a dialogue going because that is very important and we have to be focused and we have to make the most out of that doctor's appointment. Mhm, mm mhm. Mm and did you find with your, you know, especially with specialists, we tend to get sort of like our 15 minutes, you know. Um, did you did you ever find a doctor who just got what what you were doing, who like was became your ally in this journey, or a specialist? Oh, I, I felt that my doctor was definitely my ally. You know, uh -huh. but I, I felt that there was this disconnect, and sometimes we would be talking about something, and then I'd go, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. And then I'd get in the elevator, and then I'd go, okay, so then why did this happen? And, of course, I am one of those – oftentimes we have this thing, and I'm one of those people that I <clears> – <throat> Once I get in the elevator in the stairs or whatever, you may be relaxing a little bit more and you think a little bit more clearly. Then you have all these questions that maybe you should have asked or uh, in the kind of a direction of the conversation that you might, you should have taken or could have taken, but you didn't. But now, what do you do? Have another appointment? <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> you know, right. Reserve right. it for the next time when you go in the next three months to six months. So because I have found out that it almost takes – once I forget to ask something or clarify something with a physician, I have found out that it, it, it takes almost an act of Congress to get, me <laughs> to get me reconnected, you know, with the office once you leave. Right. You, and become, so, only, you become only your – well, when is your next appointment? You know, yeah, right. And, and, and yeah. that doesn't do, you know, because now you have to live for six months with uh, with not knowing what's going on. So then I'd make immediately notes, and then I'd go home, and then I'd look it up. Look it up, and then next time I'd go back and I say we were talking last time. Is this exactly? Is this kind of what happens? Because after a while, you know, they weren't really able to help me much more. I got hearing tests done, and after so many months, I think it was after about six months, he told me, well, you can go and get a see if you can get a hearing aid because everything kind of has stabled out. And so one thing that they did was that was very good for me was I went for I call it my hearing my five credits in uh, in hearing aids in about in about an hour and that was a very tough course that I got there real quickly uh -huh. and it was um I I went to see an audiologist and that's all we did there was no talk about uh, I had my my audiograms and this was an audiologist affiliated with the office I had my tests had been done and we just sat down and we talked about it we talked about the different options and uh, she explained to me you know what the feedback was and I, I go through it in the book you know what she what she told me that was my introduction class to hearing aids and I think that we all should be having one of those because that's phenomenally um, 
complicated technology and it is also expensive technology. And so uh, it's best to know a little bit something about it before one goes in there. And so that was that did me a lot of good, you know, to just have that um, that uh, that uh, you know hearing aids one oh one, you know, yeah. Right, and, and and so so that was gave you the opportunity to think about what kind of hearing aid you wanted to get, or what it meant, or how how it would work for you. Right, and so you know, I I tried some, and uh, it it didn't really work because I had this situation going with the tinnitus. I also have noise sensitivities wherever they come from, and uh, there is such a thing as uh, you know hyperacusis, and then you know finally you become really kind of afraid of, of of noise. You know, when you see somebody blow up a balloon, you know you kind of go already the other way because you know it's just uh, like going to be un- intolerably loud if that thing uh-huh. goes off, and so. Um, so I had been told by this one audiologist that is that it would be a little bit of a trick to adjust this hearing aid or you know however they would be doing it because I had the tinnitus and whenever they turned on the up the hearing aid the tinnitus got worse and then also the world immediately got too loud so they call that you have a very narrow dynamic range you know where you actually hear and where they can be working with it mm-hmm. and, and so, so you now, have to find the right person who will help you with that too I mean Absolutely. What what we need is more than needing more and more and more technology. We need somebody who can work with us with that technology, who can find on the market some hearing aid that will be affordable to us, that will be working for us, and have the and and also give us the time, you know, to uh, to work with us. And uh, people have to know that the first setting on a hearing aid is usually a good try. It is a good start, but that's not where it is all ending. You know, you have to have a hearing aid tuned and you have to get set. Now, one thing that I was not told about in all of the, um, in all of the times that I went for hearing aids, and I have had over, over 30 visits, you know, to specialists, and that was that anybody mentioned to me the importance of telecoils or T-coils that they put into hearing aids that help you in a situation that we call a looped situation. And in, in the United States, we and, and what looping does for us is if a place is looped, and I have like nine or ten pages in the book where I explain this process, then uh, we can tap with the hearing aid into an induction loop and it makes it so much clearer in a noisy environment. And, you know, you don't have to have hearing loss actually to do that. If you have a telecoil, and I have a little device, because, of course, I don't have a telecoil in my hearing aid because nobody ever told me about it, and people who are listening out there who have hearing aids, you might be wondering whether you do have telecoils, whether they are activated, and whether they are tuned. So well, that's that when we're not... That makes Can you explain big... that to more, what, what, what yes. this coil does? Yeah, that's fascinating. Yes, that's a little device that is, it's basically a wireless antenna, like a wireless antenna that is installed into the circuitry of hearing aids and uh, cochlear implants. And I have a little device that is called a comfort duet. And that also has a telecoil in it. And what it does is, if you're in an, like, you might have seen places, that blue sign, you know, where you have the ear, the hearing loss symbol, and then there is a little T that is marked on it. And people who travel in Europe know this sign. And what that means is, this place is looped, and that means there is an electrical wire that is strung around the perimeter of the area that is supposed to be made accessible in a noisy background situation. Like when you go ah. to churches, they are doing that now, where churches are looping, like let's say five or six, the five or six front pews for people with hearing loss. And so the speaker speaks into a microphone, and then the the, the signal from that uh, from the voice runs around that electrical uh, wire that is supposed to be making the thing accessible and then the telecoil in the hearing aid or in the device taps into the electromagnetic field that is being created and all of a sudden the background noise is gone and you hear that voice clearly and we are now on a big huge thing the Hearing Loss Association of America and then also uh, all sorts of other stakeholders the American Academy of Audiology we are now trying to, uh, to, to loop America Europe has done it 
for the longest time. They have found it to be tremendously effective because no matter how dangled our hearing aids are, when we get into a noisy situation, the efficacy and the efficiency immediately goes down. And the further you get away from the speaker or the sound source, the, the more it fades and the, and the more fuzzy the signal becomes. Now, if I'm in a looped environment, boy, I tell you, when I turn on my little T-coil, when I see that sign and I'm in a museum where there is so much echo and I can't hear a thing, I see the blue sign, I go, oh, okay, flick on the duet, put it into T-mode, and all of a sudden it's clear. There is nothing uh, else, but I hear that I hear that voice. You know, I have never heard, this is fantastic. I mean, this is fascinating. I I, yeah. I I don't know anything about this, and and so, I mean that's wow. I mean that's the biggest complaint I hear from people who have hearing aids is that you know it, I, it doesn't help. I still hear this background noise. Doesn't make any difference. And mm-hmm. here is a real something that works. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm I'm shocked that it's just not everywhere. That I don't have it but, in my house or when people come and that doctor's offices don't have it. You know, I mean, this is, wow, so that's, this is that's, amazing. That's what, but that is what is going on right now. And that's why people with hearing loss also have to do self-advocacy. That's why we have to go and ask for things. That's why we have to, de- that's why we have not demand or whatever, but we have to ask, is it possible to loop the church? Is because it also comes under the ADA, the Americans with, with Disabilities uh-huh. Act, you know, uh-huh. where, uh, where there is supposed to be access, access to communication, to education, to information, access to society in a whole, you know, and we cannot go and loop everything, but we can loop target areas in businesses and uh, mm-hmm. loop target areas in in, uh, in public venues so that people mm-hmm. who have these T-coils have access. Now, you knew, do need both. If you have just a loop and you don't have anybody who has T-coils, the loop doesn't, you know, it's good for nothing. But if you right. have T-coils and there is no loop, you know, it's a system. It works together. Those two work together. And there is an, if people want to Google it, there is a large effort going on. Uh, the Hearing Loss Association of America calls it Get in the Hearing Loop. And there is also a group called Looping America, I believe there is another one, and so we are finally catching up so that we complement our highly technical hearing aids with technology that might be considered to be old, but that is extremely effective in a loud environment. So people can go to those sites and they can, what, what, how, how can they help? I mean, what, what can the average person do, even someone who doesn't have hearing loss? How, how, how can we help? Oh, we can, like, for instance, if, if you don't have to have hearing loss to use the T-curl, you can go, you know, if you, if you see an, uh, and if you have an, um if you have a uh, device with a T-coil, you know, you can tap into that too. So it is basically also good for other people. Can you imagine sitting in your office in a co- when you have to go to these conferences where they have the grainy uh, webinar and the, and, the, and the Skype connections and all of that kind of stuff? Nobody hears anything, you know, right. would it, uh, and understands anything. Because for us with hearing loss, it is mostly understanding more than, than, than hearing sound. And, you know, nobody understands. And can you imagine you'd grab under the under the the table there, and, ha- and instead of just taking headphones out that are that are tied into the, the public address system, the PA system, they t- would be T-coil equipped, and the room would be looped. All of a sudden, you're going to be hearing whether they said it is legal or it isn't legal. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to be mm-hmm. hearing a lot more clearly. And so anybody can benefit from this. But particular, but for people with hearing, it is actually. Uh, how should I say? It is an added uh, kind of a thing that they ha- that they would be having. It would be, uh, it, but for people with hearing loss, it is becoming a necessity to make the society accessible to us. And we have to ask. And you can join, you know, the Hearing Loss Association of America. Um, the uh, you know, you can get information everywhere. But it is something that we should be that we have to ask for, that we have to suggest, rather than getting uh, other systems that you know. This is something that uh, people with hearing loss really would be benefiting from because it so complements their technology. All of a sudden, you have the hearing aid that is working well for you, and when you get in a noisy environment, oh, you're looking for the blue, uh, for the blue sign. Oh, there is the blue sign. Okay, and I'm going to go over there. I'm going to flip my T-coil on, and now I can hear what is going on in the conference. Wow. I'm, that's fantastic. I mean, that's such great information. Um, you know, wow! I'm I'm so grateful that you were on to give, give everyone that information. I really knew nothing about that, so you know, and I think a lot of people don't, and a lot of people don't understand. And we're getting, you know, I can't believe the, you know, we're almost done here. Uh, it's just been your your information. It's just been so fascinating. Um, 
there are a lot of people walking around with hearing loss. You know, not just the, I mean, not a lot of people don't even do anything about it. You know, they just say, oh, well, there's noise in my ear, you know. Yeah. And, and um, doctors often say, well, this is what you've got. You know, there's nothing I can do about it. And so I think that this is, you know, this is this is not just about people with hearing loss, the loop. It's about everyone. We can all hear better. We can all take away that noise. So I'm, I mean, the work you're doing, you are sh- totally the the empowered you have you are an example of the empowered patient and so much of what my work is in my you know as an advocate is to educate people how to advocate for themselves and that's exactly what you've done you you did the work you said well i got to help myself i got to get through this myself well, yeah, that looping situation, I came across that when I went to my first uh, Hearing Loss Association of America here in the Twin Cities, where I'm, I'm now president. And um, the, the, the facilitator said, well, okay, uh, flick on your T-coils. And I was sitting there and I go, what? And I just spent $2,500 on a hearing aid that didn't have a T-coil. And I kind uh. of thought this would be one place where I could now hear better and it would be so important because now I don't quite understand because we didn't have a very good PA system at that time. And we have added now more and more, you know, uh, making it more and more accessible to people. But luckily, there was a woman sitting up front, and she was doing a real-time transcription. Right, everything that was being said went onto a gigantic screen. And I talk about the the CART system. We call that CART, the uh, communication access real-time translation. Talk about that in the book. I talk about the looping in the book about assistive listening devices. And I learned all about that as I went along. And that's why I call it an excursion. You know the um, the journey into the world of hearing loss because when you're starting on a journey, oftentimes you do not know very much about what is going to happen to you and what kind of dangers are lurking around every end. And so that's why it is a journey. It is just, I mean, that world of hearing loss exploded on me. I had never in my life thought that that was going to be so intricate and it has become absolutely a fascination with me and I feel that hearing is our most precious sense in a way. And, uh, you know, Helen Keller the icon of people who are, you know, because she was blind and she was deaf, but she was also not born that way. And she used to say that for her, the hearing loss was more taxing than the vision loss because hearing loss separated her from people, where the vision loss separated her from things. It's a social situation. It is a communication Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. Well, we're really at the end, and I always ask my guests, and just very quickly, what's your sage advice for someone who's beginning their journey on this, um, you know, who finds themselves in this situation? What, what, what's your sage advice? Besides I the bed say, in the road. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say learn as much as you possibly can, and by all means protect whatever hearing you have. Stay out of the noise. Stay out of the din. Um, also, you know, learn about other causes of what uh, what can cause hearing loss because it's not always aging and it's not always noise. But but staying out of the noise is a sure way of how we can save what we have and have it investigated. Go to the physician and get an opinion. Find out what it is not. You know, to make sure that it is not some kind of a uh, you know vascular dis- disorder where there is not enough blood going to the brain or there is not a medication that is causing you all these problems or that it is you know that it is not a tumor of the head what can i think of you know of what it all can be you know find out get an opinion learn as much as you can stay out of the noise okay well with that i i can't thank you enough monique and um your information was absolutely fantastic and again the name of your book is what did you say an unexpected journey into the world of hearing loss, and I really recommend everybody to get this book. I'm, I'm going to pass it on to my uh, disability people. Um, I, I know they don't have it yet, but I'm definitely going to recommend it. So thank, I thank you so very much, and keep doing what you're doing because I know you're making a difference for many, many people. So thank you very much for taking the time. And I thank you very much, Harry, for having me. It was a pleasure. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure, and good luck. And maybe oh. we'll, I'll have you on again in a, in a couple, in a six months or so, and see how things are going. 
Absolutely. We'll be talking more about looping because we should have more results then. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. Well, well good luck. Right. And uh, I'm going to check out those sites and hope everyone else does. Thank you very much, Winnie. Okay. Sure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everyone. That was an amazing uh, interview. The information, I, I, I can't even describe how excited I am about this information. Um, looping. Hmm. That's incredible, and I think we all need to get on board with that. So, uh, everybody, um, you know, take a moment, uh, go to the website, Hearing Loss of America. Uh, Again, her name is Monique Hammond. Uh, You know, her book, again, is What Did You Say? An Unexpected Journey to the World of Hearing Loss. And so, everybody, I want to thank you for listening uh, we've had a great show tonight, and we'll hopefully be on next week. Uh, if you have any suggestions for a show, would like to learn about something, please contact me through Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. Again, my Twitter is uh, H-A-R-I-K-108, or on Facebook, Hari Kulsar, or my uh, fan page, Healthcare Whisperer. LinkedIn is Hari Kulsa. Or you can email me uh, through my website uh, at healthcarewhisperer.com. Uh, don't hesitate. Let me know what it is you're interested in. Uh, again, everybody, have a good night. Thank you for listening. And uh, I look forward to our next chat together. Bye-bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.